0: This is Toronto Today on TSN 1050.
1: Welcome aboard. Toronto Today all set to sail. Jim Taddy reporting for the next hour. Then it's gameplay with Matthew Cause. A note, Leafs Lunch returns Tuesday, October 12th. So mark that one down so we got another week doing this and then lease lunch will return the day after Thanksgiving day right here on TSN 1050 further details to be released um, in the days and uh, well, I'm not going to say weeks ahead because it's only a week and a half. So in the days ahead, so um, that's something you should mark on your to-do list. Uh, Leafs lunch October 12th. Uh, there's some just interesting stuff to deal with here. When I was talking with Stephanie, our producer, I just it's just like there's a movie script in front of me and I have to sort of piece it together. Uh, so let's start with the the Leafs. Sheldon Keefe two-year extension yesterday. And we're going to have much more to say on this later on. But Pierre LeBrun reporting it's a prove me deal, uh, not an endorsement, and, and I think. we all agree two years is is a nice situation for the coach and for the team so it dissipates uh, any kind of questioning about people's future i mean there's going to be enough with morgan riley and, and all of this of course tips over big time if the team doesn't respond on the ice but that's way ahead we're not even there yet we're at the blue and white game which goes tonight at 6 on tsn you can watch it there and another week of preseason games and then the season starts the day after the return of leafs lunch on october 13th and we'll have that for you on tsn 1050 uh so the the, the key situation is done I'd like what they did there i think it's fair to everybody and fair to the hockey team which is sort of the motivation when you're in the front office what's fair to the hockey team and those on it two years works for me we'll dive into it as i said much deeper later on now the movie script really is the blue jay game last night oh no i'm watching this two things strike me and we're talking about the the sixth inning the homer homer walk homer sequence against robbie ray and it's tough to watch. Uh, I'm thinking, okay, I'm on Netflix. I'm watching. Uh, I'm, I'm binge watching, and I'm seeing the penultimate episode of the series run, and I'm left with this awful, awful taste in my mouth, because in this particular case, a guy who could win and likely will win the Cy Young, and has been a major reason why everything has gone the Jays' way. I mean, he's a workhorse out there, and just came off of like what did he get? 13 guys in a row out. I mean, after the the Judge Homer early in the in the ball game. And then all of a sudden this happens, and it's like being hit, like being broadsided, and you're left going, oh, you just feel crummy because you, you go, this can't be how this ends. I'm sure everybody was was thinking, this can't be how this ends for Robbie Ray. This can't be how this ends for the Blue Jays. It was painful. And then I got this flashback, and, and certain vintage people will will understand this. A pitcher on the mound, and you're going, what the heck? Dave Steeb, ALCS, 1985, against the KC Royals. Game 7 with the series on the line, a trip to the World Series, and the Jays had run out of pitchers because it was Game 7. So they started Steeb, and I could, I'll never forget. This was at C&E Stadium. The, the man was done. He kept looking into the dugout. The manager was Bobby Cox. They'd show Bobby Cox, and he was looking at the sky. He would not have eye contact because he had no place to go. It was just an awful feeling because it was like uh, your time's up. There's nothing you can do about it. It just had to happen that way. And I, I just recalled that when I was watching Robbie Ray last night. But it, it totally caught you off guard uh because of, of what he had done after the judge home run. He just retired everybody, and then he just walks in that just a brutal sequence, Homer, Homer, walk, Homer. And you're going, oh my goodness, what the heck is this? Just painful, painful. So now, and, and this is the, the weirdest thing about it: the Yankees are laughing, uh, and, and, and the fact that the Yankees did it with those big bats is just a scarring moment because those are those are Hall of Famers we're talking about, and they're the Yankees, and that's you know we know the history there. So the Yankees have a two-game bulge in the wild card race. Boston, and are you ready for this? Boston and Seattle are tied in the wild card. The Jays sit a game out. So we could be talking Monday about the Yankees in Seattle, uh, uh, totally unlikely, totally unpredictable. The Yankees in Seattle in a wild card. So here's what's left: the Jays three at home to Baltimore, uh, Seattle has three at home to the Angels, Boston has three in Washington, and the Yankees have three left against Tampa Bay. I, it is just unbelievably wicked to go over what happened last night. Uh, it's because this, I mean, it's just it, it was it was undeserved. I think is the, what I'm looking for undeserved and it came out of nowhere and still there's an opportunity here and i don't know what kind of a mess we're talking about on monday morning where there's a three-way tie or what but the jays really have to do one better than everybody else that means boston and seattle on the weekend to end up in a tie and because there's two of them does it seem likely that they could do two better than both no guy it doesn't seem like it that's tough stuff. Coming up in the broadcast very shortly, we're going to go over the, uh, the Sunday night game. You can listen to our TSN 1050, uh, the Bucks against the Patriots. And actually to help us out right now, Matt Chatham is here, three-time Super Bowl champion with the Patriots, current Nessun uh, Patriots and, and NFL analyst and uh, an insider. You can sort of break the code on all this stuff that's out there about Brady and, and the Patriots and, and the Bucks and all this big game. Matt, welcome. How are you today, sir? Wonderful, happy to be at the end of the week, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and probably because it's this week, and there's all this stuff out there uh that that and you have the code, you know exactly what it all means, I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't like people telling me about my life, so so you would you would understand what's being said and how true or or untrue it is it, it might be a little frustrating for you, is it?
2: Yeah, for sure. I think that's part of what you know. We've anticipated this week since the schedule came out. Sort of knew it was going to happen. Um, You know, oddly, when you work in the market and know all the all the principles that are being argued about, you know, most of this stuff was all like extensively sort of research, all the journalism was done on it, you know, like April of 2020. So we, you sort of knew that, oh gosh, it's a year and a half later. We're literally just going to be regurgitating everything that's already been decided. And, uh, you know, Tom and, and, and Bill, and then Mr. Kraft just have to put on a good face and say, Hey, we covered this a few surprise for each of us. We all went our separate ways it all worked out well for everyone. So you know, I, I guess people are trying to sell books now and segments and all those kinds of things. So there's a, there's a sense that just drumming up tension was somehow going to sell this game better, I guess, <laughs> which makes very little football sense to me because I think this is, at least from on the field portion, you, you don't need it. It's not as if there's not a ton of interest in this thing already.
1: But there is that, I think you'd understand, there is that curiosity that because of the people involved, because of the ownership, the coach, the quarterback, and, and all the other players, you included, uh, this thing worked so well for so long that people wanted to want a little piece of it, figure out how the heck it worked. I mean, how would you explain that to anybody?
2: Well, I think one of the things you can't get lost in all of it, and it's I have to kind of remind myself, mean, you know, obviously I am doing TV down here in Nesson regularly, and we have to always say, you know, when we... Venture down this road of why did it not work or, you know, why is it not continuing to go on? You got to remember that by virtue of doing it 20 years, you're many, many years beyond how long any coach, uh, coach owner player tandem had ever gone. So you're already way past it. So the question of why didn't it continue on, I think, requires context. Like they already went way past anything else. And, And in fairness, Coach Belichick is probably one of the most difficult coaches out there to play for, but it's exceptionally rewarding. So I think as much as anything, rather than trying to figure out oh, why didn't it continue into perpetuity, the real question is how, how amazing it is for Tom to be able to find that perfect match and go that long, but I've heard a lot of his other friends say similar stuff. Rodney Harrison was talking about the other day. Uh, Teddy and lot, A lot of the guys from a similar era are like, okay, um, you, you do get to a certain age, and 20 years is a long, long time in football. Oh, yeah. And you have that little, you have that little curiosity, that little peaked interest about, you know, maybe i I try something different, just a refresher at that stage. Shoot, I, I wanted that stage at like year nine. Like, I can't even, <laughs> I can't even fathom what's going through someone's head at 20. Like it's just. It's very normal, and it doesn't speak to some sort of dysfunction at all.
1: I think it's just a, a remarkable. I mean, all of it is remarkable. But the, the, I guess the final chapter, if you want to call this the final chapter, is, is unheard of. That you know, the quarterback moves on, has still uh, you know gas left in the tank, wins another Super Bowl, talking about winning, uh, you know, repeating, uh, has life after that, and and the head coach is still there and, and revered and respected as he always was, and and the legacy is is going to be untouched. I mean, these are remarkable things.
2: Yeah, and then to have them all in the field at once, it's just bizarre. <laughs> you know, I think yeah. it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty cool deal. Uh, and, you know, I just hope that rather than trying to sort of assess the credit and blame and all those kinds of things, it's more just about enjoying, you know, and I know that's not realistic in normal media, but in my job, but I, I think generally speaking, we are going to see a pretty cool thing here. I mean, he really didn't, uh, there's nothing comparable really in any of the sports. It's not as if uh, you know, Jordan had a sem- similar, similar situation to this or uh, you know, go go into any other. You know, it's it's just really crazy that a guy has had this kind of longevity in a sport that just you know, works against longevity. And a coach that this Bill is now the, the longest tenured coach of any kind. We're not even talking about assistants or anything like that in the entirety of the NFL. It's wild. He's been doing this coaching thing at the highest level for you know, longer than all of us have been alive. So it's 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 insanity that not just that they're still kicking, <laughs> but they're still, yeah. by and large, at the top of the game. I mean Brady, where he's at, and Bill in the middle of a rebuild. So it's it's wild, but it's kind of cool to watch if you can just put the soap opera stuff uh, that I think is mostly phony away for a bit.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you, but it is kind of human nature. People want to know oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> where where the credit goes, but, but quite frankly, and you could tell us if I'm wrong. I think it goes to everybody, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, that's the wild thing. I mean, we have obviously gotten to beat that topic up for for the last couple of years, but I, one of the things that I would say is it's a totally natural thing to wonder it and it's something that I think you can actually get to the bottom of in a game like basketball, you know, only five guys on the floor, uh um, fewer variables and, and I mean again, even then it's not quite straight line cuz there are other support elements, but it's closer there. I mean, if you want to talk, you know, golf, you know, greatest golf player and his longtime swing coach or something like that, like, or, you know, greatest tennis player and his tennis coach or something, but like any of those scenarios where there are fewer variables, you can make an argument that, oh, in the absence of that particular singular person, does this go the same way? But because this was football, to me, the question was unanswerable. Never could make sense because there's just so much other stuff going on. Tom can be the greatest quarterback ever, and he is, but that. Doesn't mean that you know he wasn't also benefited by being paired with the greatest coach ever, because just in football you're only on the field for you know forty-ish percent of the plays as a quarterback. So there clearly was something else going on. So that's just it's really sort of a universal thing. It goes back and forth between the two guys. They're they're both very fortunate to have been together, and you know all of us that play with them are fortunate as well.
1: I'd, I'd like your take on a couple of things, and these are you know specific references. So when you're a linebacker in the Patriots and, and you're you know, obviously defense, and, and you're you're on the sideline and you're watching that offense work, how would you describe what we were seeing? Because it was just, I mean, I, I don't, I'm always stunned that you could have, and we still have guys do this with 37 seconds left. That was Aaron Rodgers last week. Um, right. the look on their face, you look at him and you go, this guy knows what to do. He's going to win this game, and that was Brady all the time.
2: Yeah, it was, it was so great to be a part of those teams and have, you know, Tom was a young man, obviously. This is, I was looking first for six years of his career. So I was in the phase where he was kicking butt, but new to it, right? And now the guys that get to do what you just described are, you sitting alongside someone who's just like, has multiple doctorates. You know, it's not just a guy who's doing it well. He's doing it well and has seen it all many, many times over. And I just think that's kind of wild because, you know, I have even additional perspective because those few years I was down in New York, You know, we're captain there, sitting in on captain's meetings and trying to talk game planning for the week and figure out how we're going to do this and having a little institutional knowledge of the other place, but then going back and saying, okay, I can certainly tell you what it was like as a player in practice going against Tom, but in fairness to him, we were given a scout team card, so I knew what the play was going to be, (laughs) you know, so we could we could screw with them a little bit and try to pick them off and try to make life more difficult because we knew if you make it more difficult practice, it'll always be easier once you get to the game. But then once you don't have that information and Tommy can kind of pick you apart, I mean, I know, you know, those games that we played them with the Jets when I was down there, it's just, you, you get to see the other side of it, what other people see. It's just that you can't stand in your coverage. You can't stand in your front. You got to move around. You got to be variable. If you let him sort of know the answers of the test, he's just, he's just done it too many damn times and he's still physically able to get it to where it needs to go.
1: Let's talk about the coach here. I mean, such a mystery. I I think of Scotty Bowman in hockey, a guy who achieves so much, and you're trying to figure out because people lead all over the world. They're looking for little leadership tips, and and this guy in his press conference is focused. He's just not going to fear off. But I I don't know that that's the real guy. I mean, could you describe the real guy?
2: I mean, there are obviously – more personable differences and, you know, I guess greater depth to his personality that you get to see when, when you're just working with them. Um, and Bill is, is an awesome coach. I mean, I think the, the, the first and foremost thing that most players will say is just how impressive he is as a teacher and you know, you're not really doing that from the podium when you're, when you're answering media questions for the week. Uh, but the way we know him most is just sort of like, you know, your eyes get big. Good lord. He knows everything I'm supposed to do and he knows the other 10 positions as well. So, yeah. you know, and it's just, you know, not as if he was some, uh, you know, great professional athlete. It's not as if he's really had firsthand, um, experience with any of the things he's telling you, but just, He's so well studied, and he just has such a knack for it, and a great eye um, that you you come to respect. That you know you're you're doing your own study for your own position, and then he he'll jump in with a couple of things. that A you may have seen, but that's a big credit to him because he's got to watch so many different other people's spots. Or B that you didn't catch and go, oh, you know, wait, wait a minute, okay, I see how he's seeing that now, and that could be actually helpful. So I just think he's one of the greatest ever as far as just. Having a grasp of all aspects and being able to boil it down in a short amount of time to the stuff that'll matter for the weekend, and that's that's kind of the cool part. But he's very business only. But you know, every once in a while, Super Bowl parties and downtimes and off weeks and you know, post practice and stuff, you get to see his personality. But I mean, that's not why you're there ultimately. But it's not as if you know everything. Bill Belichick is what you see from a podium. We we all know that's not the case.
1: I keep referencing Scotty Bowman because I think they're somewhat similar in in, in their mindset. I mean, yeah. these guys have two brains. There's the big picture and the small picture. You detail the small picture. He knows what every moving part is supposed to be doing and when they're supposed to be doing it and what the correction is. And then he's got the big picture there too, doesn't he?
2: Yeah, and I I think even you know being able to understand the minutia, but then also understand sort of the final product is a big deal. But I think I also become more aware of this just because you know working in media now. Every single game, people are—you know—often analysts are often required or asked to come up with keys to the game. And like literally, you can put up on the board, you know, a game this weekend that every market's got a guy writing on what that might be—an <laughs> analyst and former players and others who weren't former players, whatever it may be. But it's amazing, sort of the litany of different things you'll hear, and those aren't necessarily the ones that will actually affect it the most. So and Bill's biggest gift is usually being able to pick the right one boil it down to the things that will matter anyone can come up with uh you know hold them to x amount of rushing yards or hold them to this that or the other i mean but his whole skill is in building these game plans is like figuring out exactly what it really was like because you could write down twenty things, anyone could write down twenty, but what are the right three or four? And that's that's kind of what he was always so good at, um, you know. And, and that doesn't mean you win every week because you still have to be able to execute it. But he's a great teacher in that as well, and get up the right players. And there are other factors, but I just think his eye and his his sort of instinct over time has has become again doctor doctorate level.
1: Well, get out the crystal ball. Uh, so, what? How do you think this is going to play out? Because there's just so much anticipation. The tickets are ticket prices are, are through the roof. How do you see the game sure. happening?
2: Well, uh, we're all kind of carefully watching injury reports here, and I think it matters really for both sides. You know, Rob Gronkowski not being available potentially would be a, a pretty significant change to how they've been doing things more recently. Uh, it's same with the Patriots, Trent Brown, their right tackle. You know, one of the biggest players in the NFL and an absolute body mover when he's in there. Missed a couple of weeks with his calf and it was the calf that was uh, problematic for him all year last year with Raiders. So he comes back with something that, you know, nobody here wants to see him miss any more time with, but gosh, this would be the game, you know, kind of thing. So he's in sort of an up-down mode and they, because the Patriots have had some issues with offensive line play, uh, in the last couple of weeks, uh, in, in, in a position that was reportedly going to be their strength, it sort of throws them into a bit of tailspin of where I think they thought they'd be. And then you look on the other side of the Bucks. I mean, how'd they win that Super Bowl? Brady just lights them up for three or four of the first drives to start the game, and then the defense just absolutely locks things down. But the Bucks are still scoring 34-ish a game right now, but they ain't locking anyone down. So they're finding themselves in a different style than a year ago. So I would just imagine, you know, it's obviously the Bucs are a heavy favorite here, but if the Patriots were able to have that healthy offensive line, which is a big if because Isaiah their left tackle popped up on the injury report as well, so both tackles are kind of question marks, so it could go one of two dramatic ways. So the Patriots were able to sort of control tempo and clock and all those kinds of things and run the heck out of the football and keep it out of Tommy's hands and defend really well like we know they, they generally do and can then it's a wide open game to me. But if you can't and you're going three and outs and you're giving it back to Tom and he's so incredibly comfortable in that particular environment, um, you know, it's it's just it's a tough mountain to climb. It might just be wrong team, right time. I think the Patriots, you know, more time with this rookie quarterback two months from now and, and maybe that offensive line healthier, then maybe they can they can put up a, a better fight. It just seems like a bit of an uphill battle this quickly.
1: Yeah, I almost feel bad for Mac Jones. I mean, he's going to be subjected to some stuff he probably hasn't been subjected to before. What do you think of that?
2: Yeah, thrown right into the fire, right? I mean, he's been been here for a month, and he's like, good Lord, is it always like this? You know, that's that's that job. It's a very hot spot, and... uh, I think he's really the perfect temperament, though, to, to handle it. Um, you know, he, he's not going to throw anyone under the bus, but uh, he's had a lot of pressure on him, it, well, more specifically last week than the other two. And that's not something I think you came in you know, expecting. He was someone who, you know, is just so seasoned, uh, at least as you can be from coming out of college. He's so smooth. He's so patient. He's always going to take the right play. Um, and last week with all the extra pressure, it seemed to be sometimes not doing that. And that's, you know, one the one thing that's always been sort of said about him, and we saw at least through camp, is when there was a bad outing or were some negative stuff, he's he's pretty good about not going in the tank, and that's kind of a quality you want early on. You know, we saw the, the crazy game that Justin Fields had out in Chicago, and Trevor Lawrence has had some knock around games here so far, and uh, you know, it's it's not easy as a rookie because usually you're in a bad situation. But the, the Patriots one was supposed to be pretty solid. The defense looked excellent. O line was supposed to be all put together. the, the back group was great, but. You have got James White, who's unfortunately now lost the season, so you take away a weapon, and they are, both your tackles are in a, in, a, in a different place right now. So that throws in new variables, which can be scary for a rookie, especially when you get you know going against the caliber of team he's now going against. So it's throws you right to the fire. But that's just, just what this league's all about. Uh, to to those who much is given, much is expected. That whole thing.
1: Matt, just before we let you go, uh, you know, obviously KC is, is the team to be, but they, they, they don't have a great start. They're one and two. You've got Vegas and Denver three and one and, and the Chargers two and one ahead of them in their own division. And then, of course, our concern here is the Buffalo Bills have looked very good the last couple of weeks. Who gets in the Chiefs way or is it actually KC themselves?
2: Yeah, it's, yeah, that's an interesting way to put it. Um, you know, I, I think the thing that often gets forgotten with Kansas City, it's easy, I understand how we, we sell the game and the parts we consume the most, but they won their championships when they really defended well. And they got close but never close enough when they didn't. And that's who the Chiefs are when they're a championship-caliber team. The one that's right now is trying to hold on for dear life, not turn the football over and score as many points as they possibly can. That's not generally championship team makeup. And I think they know that, obviously. So, you know, they they really made their jump between the year they lost it and the year they came back and won it, when they defended better, more consistently, um, you know, start to finish. And, uh, you know, you, using a team like Buffalo as an example, I mean, it's cool to talk about Josh Allen. He's absolutely scintillating, and they've got a lot of different places for him to go with the ball. But if they don't play great defense, they're out of the conversation, too. And that's just, uh, you know, I think that's how the league is. So, you know, I, I think the more complete teams are going to be there at the end, and uh, Buffalo has put on a show thus far, but man, they showed a chink in the armor too with that, that weird loss to Pittsburgh who's turned out to be not very good. So, Maybe it's just week one weirdness in the NFL, and that's probably more likely what it is. But uh, I just think, as much as anything, it underscores that we're not really in a league here where we have you know one or two or even three teams way out in front of everyone. Even the Bucks last week, ten point, not close, you know, losers on the road to the Rams. And are we willing to say the Rams are now the class of the league? I don't know. It just seems like more of a week to week thing. So I guess we'll see. And now we get a longer season to figure it out. So they haven't even another other game here to play around with if you have a bad one.
1: Matt, really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for your time.
2: Hey, my pleasure. Enjoy the weekend.
1: You too, thanks. It's uh, Matt Chapman, a three time Super Bowl champion with the Patriots, current Nesson Patriots and NFL analyst. And, of course, former uh, Tom Brady uh teammates. So uh, we've got uh, that game, which will be aired on Sunday night, right here on TSN 1050, Sunday night at 8 o'clock, Sunday night football, Bucks in New England against the Patriots. And, of course, you remember, in the old days, the Patriots would always win at home. Uh, that's not necessarily the case anymore. So a couple of audio clips to sort of back this up. This is Tom Brady on great memories in New England, but uh he uh, wants to flush those.
0: 20 years in New England was incredible. I learned a lot, you know, coming out here for a year and a half, I've learned a lot. So I have nothing but incredible thoughts, memories, emotions towards all the kind of football experiences I've had. And that's obviously one that was the longest. I still have a lot of great friends there, but they know I want to kick their butt this week. So they'll, they'll, they'll know exactly how I'm feeling once I'm out there
1: so he's a little raspy there and i think he had to yell over the crowd noise that they pumped in for the practice to get him used to what's going to happen on on sunday night and and that place will be loud Uh, tickets are uh low end 300 bucks average ticket prices is is now 12 1200 and stub upper prices are uh, closer to three grand that's u.s dollars ladies and gentlemen so uh, yeah it's uh it's it's a must-see event and again you'll watch it on tsn listen on tsn 1050 Uh, and of course there's the coach bilichek how does brady feel and you know this the book coming out that sort of paints a different picture, and I, I guess if you get into uh, you know taking quotes and, and what people think, you would come up with that. But of course, the uh, the individuals uh, don't go down that road. They're happy with each other. Here's Brady on, on Coach Bill.
0: I mean, he's a great coach. Obviously, a great coach, and um, you know has everyone prepared. Does a great job with that. And uh, obviously, I said before, taught me a lot. Um, was a great mentor for me for a long time, and I really enjoyed my time in New England. But. At the same time, super excited about what we've done here. I got great group of coaches here, an amazing group of guys that you know still motivate me and inspire me to be the best I could be for this team and this organization. And um, I've just had a great the last 18 months have been um, very fulfilling in a lot of different ways, and I love my football experience here as well.
1: You know, I I just, it's a complete one-off. Hopefully we could see something like this again, but the odds are slim and none. Um, Guy and coach and team just dominate the NFL. Guy leaves, coach stays, and, uh, you know, Guy wins the Super Bowl and, and maybe another one and comes back to his old stomping grounds and everybody's you know literally the key figures are still intact and in place and and functioning uh, as they were. I mean just this, this is completely rare. You don't see it much. Uh, I appreciate it. You know, it's it's going to be fun to watch and and listen to in, in a moment for sure. Uh, you know, not everything is positive as we're well aware. Uh, but this is something to celebrate. There's all that sort of sniping going on about who likes who or how they how they part uh, sorry how they parted company uh, totally irrelevant really it's window dressing and and the what's in the store is much more important so we'll leave it at that coming up next we're going to talk about the raptors with jack armstrong our tsn and nba analyst after that we'll go over uh, the keith extension other hockey news the uh, all or nothing amazon prime series is out and we'll dive into that briefly uh, so that is next this is toronto today on tsn 1050 live on your radio live streaming and podcasting and on demand and apple carplay and android auto through the iheart radio canada app
0: now, back to Toronto
1: Today. Welcome back to Toronto Today. Jim Chatty reporting. A reminder, Leafs lunch for turns to the airwaves on October 12th. Let's talk basketball now. Jack Armstrong, our good friend, our TSN and NBA analyst, is with us now and part of our Raptors radio broadcast crew, of course, as well. Jack, welcome. How are you today, sir?
3: Hi, Jim. How you doing, buddy? Great to hear from you. Great to hear your voice.
1: Yeah, it's been a while, and I have to say, Jack, I have nothing prepared, nothing in front of me, so we're going to wing this. And quite, <laughs> quite, quite frankly, I enjoy the conversation with you all the time. So when I look at this Raptors team, I know there's a lot of, of things that that have to happen or, or could go uh, in a positive direction but I have to say this, I have to declare this. I, have, I don't worry about the Raptors uh, because I, I trust the front office. Uh, these guys have great credentials. I, tr- I trust the coaching staff, and it's kind of a, a unique situation. What do you think about that?
3: Yeah, you know, I, I think they, uh, you know, when, when you have a difficult season like last year, uh, you learn some things uh, about yourself, you know, and uh, after winning a championship, um I think we all know this how hard winning is and uh and what those ingredients are and uh just the challenge of it all and I I think uh you kind of recalibrate a little bit and say okay we had a great run uh now it's time to kind of recalibrate reboot and figure out uh a new way going forward And, you know, it's kind of introspective as well, where you say, okay, what are we doing here, and and how can we improve what we're doing internally? And then you look at the greater picture of where the game's at, and uh, where your market's at within uh, the 30-team structure of the league, uh, and, and how you can make adjustments and improve and grow. So... Uh, I like the fact that there's stability and ownership and management and coaching. Uh, I think those are really important things uh, when you transition. And I think a good word would be transition right now. Uh, Yet, I think there's a lot of good talent in place and I'm excited about uh, how it's going to form and shape. Uh, There'll be some bumpy roads along the way, you know, particularly uh, with Pascal Siakam out of the lineup early in the year I think their margin of error is relatively smaller uh, than it's been. Uh, But nonetheless, I think they have, uh, they have a sense of what they want to look like and how they want to play. It's just going to take some time for them to get
1: there. Yeah, we don't know exactly when Pascal comes back, and, and when he does, there'll be some attention on him for sure. Um, but in in the meantime, there's three guys I have circled that, that I'd like your take on: Malachi Flynn, who just grew by leaps and bounds last year, and a lot of it was forced; uh, Scotty Barnes, the rookie, and and the newcomer Precious Ochua. I think these three guys are are very intriguing to watch.
3: Yeah, I, I I would agree with you. I think, they're, and they're going to be a big part going forward of of, of how things do shape up and, and 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 create a new dynamic and a new look for the Raptors. So, you, you know, uh, Chew is a high energy, a guy who runs the floor hard, a big time athlete, uh, and undersized, but is going to outwork you. Um, you know, I, I Scotty Barnes handles the ball exceptionally well. Uh, he's got good vision. Uh, it's just going to take some time. You know, uh, it's a whole other level defending at, at this level than it is in the ACC. With respect to the ACC, uh, these are elite players. You're now having a guard, so he'll figure out the tricks of the trade there. But he's got good wingspan and lateral quickness. And he's got to get stronger, and you know, and then uh, and then offensively you know, uh, becoming a consistent, uh, skilled player in terms of shooting, having a pet go-to move, uh, you know, things like that, that he can get his game off. Uh, and then, uh, obviously uh, Malachi Flynn, uh, was a high pick a year ago. And, uh, we'll see how things play out, uh, in terms of the Goran Dragic situation. Also, you have Gary Trent Jr. who was acquired for Norm Powell, Uh you know, to, uh, to see where he fits in, in that, you know, and, and it's interesting, um, for him, you know, now that he had a good opportunity to play last year, particularly later in the year, uh, I think that's going to help him, uh, grow. And I think, uh, depending on, again, the st- uh, status of a Dragic, is he with the team the whole year? Um, you know, how, you know, how Trent comes along. Uh, you know, I, I, could see him having a role and, and, uh, uh, but I, I, think they definitely are Jim putting much more of an emphasis on size and being a bigger, longer, a more athletic team. And, uh, you know, they, and, and to me, I think, uh, again, that's fitting with where the leagues go.
1: Yeah, just, a, just sort of, that was where I was going to go next. So size longer, uh, versatile, more athletic team. Uh, knowing Coach Nick Nurse, I mean, this this is something that, that he would embrace. How do you think he manages all this? What what does he do?
3: Well, the thing I like about Nick is that he, he can roll with things on the fly. And uh, so I, I think there's a lot of uh, moving parts that he's going to have to adjust to. Uh, I think offensively, uh, you know, the challenge is going to be, you know, the final five minutes of the game. Do they have enough uh, answers when teams kind of figure you you out in the first 43 minutes of the game to be able to score big baskets and and not shoot yourself in the foot with bad shots or, or turnovers? And then on the defensive end, when you're adding a lot of new guys and they haven't played in your system before, uh, how smart are they? How quickly do they fit things, uh, pick things up? And, uh, you know, Van Vliet and Anobi Boucher and, uh, Siakam understand what you're trying to get accomplished. Uh, it's the other guys that are in, at different levels of their career. Like I'm sure a guy like Dragic will easily pick it up because he's played in the league so long. Uh, but you know, guy, it, it just will take some time for all that to come about. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think you'll have nights where a few guys will play really well one night and and then they won't be uh, consistent the next night. And then the guys who were inconsistent one night will be good the following night. So uh, kind of tapering down and figuring out exactly who the right guys are going to be. And those are hard decisions and who ties into their roles. But I think he has a lot of options at his disposal. Uh, and, you know, I've had, I had the opportunity to watch practice the last two days and I'm impressed with the talent level. And, uh, I, I, I think that this group, if, if they can, again, be successful and figure things out in the last five minutes of the game offensively and, uh, grow and get a good attention to detail on the defensive end, they're going to be coached well. But, uh, the quicker, you know, the quicker they pick up on what the concepts are. And, and if they're solid with that, then I think they're going to be a tough team to play against.
1: Jack, this is a, an issue I struggle with uh, just because I, I don't like to um, sort of do comparable uh, analysis. And I think that, you know, the, some of, some people that would watch the Raptors would compare them to the championship team or the team that the year after. Uh, there's a lot of parts missing obviously but but in terms of you know when you're watching them play uh, obviously kyle would be the guy before or, or uh you know Kawhi or you know just go back to your favorite raptor moment and, and that individual isn't there anymore and, and i think the question would be who picks up the slack and, and how much slack can they pick up how would you answer that uh
3: i i think that's actually very uh, a very hard question to answer because do I think uh, O.G. is going to be Kawhi Leonard? Uh, do I think Fred Van Vliet's going to be Kyle Lowry? Uh, do I think uh, Ken Burch is going to be Marcus Sol or Jonas Valanciunas, or whatever? Uh, yeah. I, I think this is a whole new team. And, uh, you know, last season ended, two seasons ago ended, three seasons ago ended, and as you know, in this world of free agency and uh you know, it's just, it's a whole new group. Uh, so this, this, so for me to compare anybody to Kyle Lowry or DeMar DeRozan or Vince Carter or Tracy McGrady or Chris Bosh, uh, they don't exist anymore. <laughs> well, respectfully, they exist, but they don't exist. Uh, this yeah. group exists. So, uh, I think this group, since there's so many new faces, is going to take time to figure out who they are and what they're all about. Uh, but I'm not caught up in like who, you know, who's the next Alon Wright or who's the next Corey Joseph or uh, Jose Calderon or anybody. Uh, I, I just think that it's a new group that has to figure it out. But I, I, I like the fact that the coach that they have is very adaptable and flexible and is not living in the past. And to me, I, I think that's really what it's all about. I, you know, I, I, You know, I think really good organizations, whatever happened, good or bad, uh, that was last year. You learn from it. You grow from it. Uh, And, you know, last season doesn't mean a blessed thing. It's about, you know, what you put together now. And, uh, again, as I said earlier, I I, I like the talent level they have. It's just going to take some time to kind of figure out uh, who exactly you can count on and who's going to be consistent, and quite frankly, that could be a challenge sometimes because you have so many guys that are new to, to, new to what you're trying to do.
1: Yeah, and I, I, think we're all guilty of it. A lot of the analysis is based on comparables. And, and so, you know, I could easily say that this would remind me of 2013 when, when Masai first showed up and, and but, but the, I mean, it, it has the same feel, but it's not a literal comparison because that situation was, was based on really, uh, jump forward on Rudy Gay being moved out and a bench being brought back. I mean, th- these are different rosters. There's, there's no comparison at all, but it may feel the same, right?
3: Yeah, it's a good point. And, you know, and understand that, too, uh, they were inherited guys, uh, you know, a Kyle Lowry, a DeMar DeRozan, a Jonas Valentinus, or Rudy Gay, guys like that, that were Brian Colangelo guys. And, uh, and, and now you, uh, this is your kind of group, and all those guys are gone now. So there are no guys left that, uh, you inherited. These are all your, your pieces of the puzzle that, through drafting, through trade, uh, through free agency, and obviously the most thing through development and coaching, uh, that now are yours. And, uh, so you now have to assess, uh, what you like and what you don't like and, um, you know, put it all together from there. So yeah, no, the, it, it, it has a feel like that. Uh, but I, I feel like if you, if you look back at 2013 and you look at now, uh I like the talent level back then they just didn't win, didn't hadn 't won and didn't know how to win at that point uh and this group now uh didn't win you know there's only a few of them, but the group last year didn't win but there is the residue of winning that has existed uh from ownership management coaches and a few of your key pieces. And a guy like a Dragic coming over from Miami where they've won, and he was in the NBA Finals two years ago. He's been a really good pro. you know. So there's enough pieces there, and I think there's good talent level there. So uh, it's just people have to be realistic, and they have to be patient. And uh, to get into, like, predictions and say, do I think they're going to make the playoffs or not or whatever, is way too premature because, you know, I sat in practice, and literally it was a lot about – uh, who's that guy, who, who, uh, what's his number, and trying to get your head around who's who. And I think the cool thing is we have five preseason games to really watch and see, uh, you know, kind of that pecking order of, of how it gets established. And, again, part of it will be without Seattle.
1: Uh, just before we let you go, uh, Dragic, what, what, what do you expect his role to be with his team and what will he bring to the table? Well, I
3: tell you what, I love the guy. I've always loved him as a pro. He's been he's been a, a really good player. Uh, you know, you, I don't think the Miami Heat get to the NBA Finals 2 years ago without him. He was their second best player behind Jimmy Butler. He's good. Uh, you know, the best thing that ever happened was they had to extend his minutes um and play him more and more and their team played a lot better uh with that. Uh, do I think he still has a lot of gas left in the tank? Yeah. Do I think that he can help this team? Yeah, a lot. Um, the question is going to be, he's in the final year of his contract. Does he help you more this year as a, a guy that is, is kind of helps bridge the gap uh, be, between where you were and where you want to go? Or is he better uh, as an asset going out to acquire, you know, uh, the, the guys that are going to help you going forward in a package. So uh, I don't know the answer to that and the greater minds will make those decisions. Uh, but to answer your question, I'm a huge fan of him. Uh, he shoots it. He handles it. He can play on the ball, off the ball. Uh, he, he can get by defensively, uh, and, and be a, a solid. And, uh, he's got a great attitude and approach. Um, and uh, to me, I I just think he's a pro's pro. So, uh, always love having guys like that.
1: You know, and I guess in the analysis that the wild card that nobody really considers is the fact that the Raptors will be home. I mean that what they went through last year redefines ordeal. I mean that, that's got to be worth a win or two, right there, isn't it? Huge,
3: absolutely huge. I mean, it just to be displaced and playing in a place where. Uh, some nights the majority of the people in the building, and it wasn't a lot, were rooting for the other team because you're playing in the U.S. and you got Celtic fans and Laker fans and Nick fans and all that other stuff that live in Florida. And many Canadians didn't even travel last year to Florida. Uh, you were at a distinct disadvantage. Um, so that will be very, very helpful. And uh fingers crossed, knock wood, as uh you know as hopefully our society things settle down and conditions improve that uh the capacity uh you know percentages and all that can increase which increases the impact that a home crowd can make uh upon your play and uh that helps a lot uh again you know we're still in that moving goalpost phase of what it's all going to look like so For me to close my eyes and say, you know, what's opening night going to look like uh, on October 20th when the Raptors play the Wizards, your guess is as good as mine uh, in terms of how many people are going to be in the building and what's it going to be all about and all that. Uh, But I know for sure it's going to be a whole lot better than Tampa. And, uh, you know, I, I just think it'll be more stable. You have your own practice facility, guys get settled in. There's freedom of movement in Toronto now. Uh, obviously, people are still doing a great job with social distancing and mask wearing when needed and all those kind of things. And, but you can still have a life and enjoy the, what an incredible city it is. And uh, I think that will help. Uh, that helps on the court. There's no doubt about it.
1: Jack, thanks very much. Nice to hear your voice again, buddy. Jim, my pleasure. Have a terrific weekend. You too. Thank you very much. Jack Armstrong, of course, part of our Raptors coverage on TSN on the TV side and on TSN 1050. A reminder to all, our first Raptors game, the regular season game, will be October twenty. Second, it's a Friday night. Uh, the Raptors are in Boston, so Paul Jones, Sherm Hamilton, myself, Nicky Reyes, uh, Josh Lewenberg, and Jack all back in our normal positions. So that's our first broadcast, Friday, October twenty second. Our first regular season Leafs broadcast is Wednesday, October thirteenth. Ralphie, Bonesy, myself, Kristen Schulten, all back for that. And of course, we have the next. Our next Leafs preseason game is is next Tuesday night against Montreal as the Leafs march on to their regular season opener, which we will have, as I said. So plenty of stuff going on. We're all back in our regular spots, and that means Leafs lunch returns October 12th as well on uh, at noon on TSN 1050. Coming up next, we'll deal with the Leafs and a few other items. This is Toronto Today on TSN 1050, live on your radio, live streaming, podcasting, and on demand on Apple CarPlay and Android Auto through the iHeartRadio Canada app.
2: Yeah, head coach Sheldon Keefe has signed a two-year extension. Um, he was entering the final year of his contract, and I think that's exactly why the Leafs organization felt it was important to remove that distraction in the crazy Toronto market that is, that he was not a lame duck coach, and that as soon as they had a losing streak, this wasn't a narrative. So they've signed him to a two-year extension, and listen, it's not a five-year extension. I'm sure a lot of people saying, why sign this guy an extension now after they've lost out in the opening round of the playoffs two years straight? On the flip side, this is his first full 82-game season with the Toronto Maple Leafs. They believe in him, but it's a prove-me contract still at two years. It's not a five-year extension.
1: Oh, I like that term, prove-me, or bridge contract for a coach. I mean, it's just so much, when you look at the Leafs, that has to happen fairly fast, or questions will be asked. And I don't even want to go down the negative road, but I think you can imagine if there's a, a major stumble, the noise, that would come out of that the search for the blame party would I mean, it's just massive so uh, they got the blue and white game tonight it's a you can watch it on six on tsn and of course three games next week and on to the season opener october 13th at home to montreal you can listen to it here on tsn 1050 i think it's a smart move the two years again it removes anytime you can remove a question mark from the equation uh you know and obviously the, the big one is morgan riley but there are so many moving parts on this team we all think positively but we have the past it's sort the opposite of the Raptors, where the past doesn't seem to follow the Raptors around because they've won, and now you go on to the next phase. But the Leafs have not won, and I just don't want to do that composite um, sort of memory of going back over the decades. I mean, to me, it's just a one-off. It didn't happen last year, and uh, you're sort of uh, motivated to correct that. So we'll see. There's the All or Nothing series that is available on Amazon Prime. It's out there. I haven't watched it. I will on the weekend. Uh, the, the clip that, that I'm curious to see the context of is the uh, the sort of raised voice from, from Sheldon Keith in the dressing room i i want to see how that works i just don't know that uh you know i I don't want to say anything negatively about it because obviously we know the result but i I just don't i want to have the right context there to, to see exactly what that's all about now bear with me here i have an extensive liner to read um, and if I mangle it, I won't be able to invoice. So I have, to, this is a first time read, so I have to get this right. Explore your neighborhood and show your love for Toronto with Show Love TO. Reconnect with family and friends over a great meal with Cafe TO and Dine TO Together programs. Rediscover Toronto's neighborhoods with more than 150 self-guided itineraries through the Stroll TO, Historic TO, and Cultural Hotspots tours. And enjoy Toronto's re-energized streets and public spaces with murals, public artworks, lighting installations, Projections and performances through artworks to big art to love to and poems for your path. Get all the details at toronto.ca backslash show love to. Wow, I think I can invoice. There wasn't a stumble there. It's remarkable, even at this point of the week. So here's what you need to know going forward. Leafs' blue and white game tonight. Uh, Leafs' lunch returns October 12th. Up next is gameplay with Matt Cause. And and a few thoughts on the way out. Like Robbie Ray. Let's listen to Robbie Ray talk about that disastrous sixth inning last night. I think it was just, uh,
2: you know, kind of a product of the whole game. Uh, You know, I think that, you know, their game plan against me was to try to lay off the slider uh, and get a fastball
1: out over. And, um, you know, the situations, uh, the home runs, um, I think they were all on fastball. So, um,
2: you know, I just got to do a better job of, uh, you know, being able to land that slider early because I feel like the, that when I can land my slider early in the, in the counts and in the, during the game that, uh, I start to get those chases later in the game.
1: So that's the game within the game, trying to control the pitching pattern. and Once you know what's coming at you, you can hit it, and they did. So after getting 13 out in a row, Homer, Homer, walk, Homer, and, and that was it for him. But again, you watched that and said, it can't end this way. So... The Jays sit on the outside, a game behind Boston and Seattle. What are we talking about on Monday? Are we talking about Seattle in the wild card? Are we talking Boston? Are we talking Jays? Are we talking a tie? Well, we'll see. Enjoy your weekend. Matt Cause gameplay is next.